What does the end of times look like? When will it happen? Why hasn't it happened yet? Three questions that have plagued the church since Jesus walked the earth. We'll take a look at one of those questions next. So when will the end times take place? And a better way to phrase the question, why hasn't it happened yet? <laughs> well, and that is the question we want to focus on here today. Welcome. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. We're in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Three reasons why it's not over until it's over. We're all consumed by when and why it hasn't happened yet, and we really need to be looking at the reasons why it's not over till it's over. For the details and today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Good to have you all here this morning, and you can open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah this morning. We're doing a little series in Jeremiah, and... Uh, just a, a couple weeks here as we start the new year off this morning. A lot of people believe their future is determined and uh, that at best we're just these unwilling, you might say, participants. And sometimes our theology causes us to be a little bit fatalistic when it comes to the future. Uh, but I'm here to tell you the Bible does teach something a little bit different by making the right decisions, by making the proper choices, by following the God who created you, that uh, your future can be different. And so we want to talk a little bit about shaping the future over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully that this will be practical. This would be something that you can start off the new year with. And uh, we find ourselves on the eve of this brand new year. And uh, it's kind of exciting whenever something new starts, right? Whether it's a new week or a new year, uh, whatever it might be. A lot of times we want to start things all over again. Have you ever started a project and it just didn't work out and you wish you could put everything back in the box and just start over? Um, well, you can. And uh, someone penned these words. I don't know who it was. It was an unknown author. He wrote this, I went to the throne with a quivering heart. The year was done. Hast thou a new leaf? For me, dear father, I said, I have spoiled this one. He took my leaf, all stained and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And into my sad heart smiled, do better now, my child. That's a refreshing thing to know, that we can do better in this new year. And our father from heaven is about to take this old year filled with all its failures, maybe, filled with the things that maybe we wish we wouldn't have said or wouldn't have done, the things that have been spoiled and spotted, and we can crumble it all up and we can discard it in the grave of God's forgetfulness. We're starting a new year, and that's good to know. What we do with that new year is what? It's up to us. It's up to us. And so today we're beginning this series, Shaping the Future. As we begin, I want to ask a couple questions of you. In whose hands... Should you place your future? Now, before you assume the obvious, I'll tell you that the answer, at least in part, that we're going to discover the next couple of weeks may surprise you. 
We're going to spend the next couple weeks examining this passage in Jeremiah chapter 18. It's a wonderful section of Scripture, and if you've been in the church for any time, you probably have come across this, heard about Jeremiah going to the potter's workshop, and, and you've probably these verses, these 11 verses are rather familiar to you. But as we start this new year, a lot of people start the new year with the idea of hopefully this next year being a little more successful than the previous year, whether it be financially, whether it be spiritually, whether it be with your business, whatever it might be. There's a lot of people that this time of year preach messages dealing with uh, specifically uh, prosperity. And there's a whole errant teaching out there about the prosperity gospel, and we're not going to go there this morning. But I want to tell you this morning, just to give you a quick biblical definition of success. Success is nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, nothing but the progressive realization of the will of God for your life. If you take that to the bank, you will be successful. Understanding what the will of God is for you. Now the Bible tells us in a couple places what the obvious will of God is. And uh, first of all, the will of God involves your salvation. The Bible tells you that very clearly in 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's what he writes. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay? So one thing God desires of us is salvation. That's why he sent his son. That's why Christ went to the cross. That's why Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day to provide a sacrifice for us that would pay for our sins, that would allow us to have that opportunity of being forgiven of our sins. But God also, after we come to realization that God desire his will for us is to be saved he also desires for us to be sanctified and in first uh, thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 this verse is just an incredible verse because it tells you exactly what the will of god is for those who have trusted christ it says for this is the will of god your sanctification <laughs> sanctification is just a word that means set apart your holiness you might say that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So God desires you to be saved. He also desires you to be sanctified. And so if you could wrap up success in those two definitions, that would be the realization of the will of God for your life. See, a lot of people believe that success is being famous or success is not being poor. It's neither one of those things. Success is not pleasure, nor is it pain. None of those things are fundamental 
to success. They're all incidental of it. If you're successful, then that's maybe how you are successful. But when you realize what the will of God is for your life, that just lays down a path of successfulness in your life. In Jeremiah chapter 10, earlier on in Jeremiah, he says this in verse 23. He says, I know, O Lord, that the way of the man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. What is that verse saying? That verse is simply saying, you know what? We don't have it within ourselves to always do the right thing, to figure this thing out. We have to rely on God. See, half of the trouble that we have in this life is wanting our own way. And the other half is when we get it. (laughs) When you stop and think about it, that's so true. Because half the time we don't even know what we need or what we want. But it's not within us to find our own way. That's why God sent his son. And God promised us in his word in various places. In an introduction today, I just want to share these verses with you. God has promised us that he will guide us in this new year. I mean, some of the most wonderful promises in the Bible talk about how we are able to know God's will for our lives. That's what he wants. And so as we look at these couple verses, you can just jot down the references and um, I put the actual text up there on the slide so we don't have to be jumping around real quick. But the first one is in Isaiah 58, verse 11. It says, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This is a promise from the God who created us, beloved, that he will guide us continually, not just some of the time, But all of the time. And not only that, but he says that he will make us like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You know, we have a spring at the church property at Jeddah where we live. And when we first moved in, I thought, boy, this will help our water bill. And I turned on the pump. Well, the spring runs for about five or ten minutes and then it's dry. (laughs) So it's not even worth it. But um, God promises that, you know what, that won't happen with him. He's not going to be there some of the time to guide you and to help you. He's going to be there all of the time. God's going to take care of you no matter what this new year has coming down the road. Because none of us really knows. That's exactly what this means. That he's going to satisfy your soul whether it be in, in bountiful or in a drought. And sometimes we don't know what's going to happen economically or socially or financially in this world in which we live, but God will continue to guide us, not on and off. He's not going to be there some of the time. He's going to be there all of the time. In Psalm 32, verse 8, the psalmist writes this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you, listen to this, with my eye upon you. I mean, do you hear the intimacy there? God isn't saying up in heaven, yeah, you know, I got this thing. Don't worry about it. Uh, You know, I'll I'll see you when you get here. No, he's saying my eye is upon you. I mean, what a wonderful guidance that is. When you can guide somebody with your eye. For parents, that means it's just a look. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Kids are acting up and you just give them one little look. 
with your eyes, mother or father, and they know, "Uh uh-oh, I better straighten up. Same thing happens between a husband and wife if you live together long enough. You give each other that look, and you know either I better shut up, better change the subject, better do something, but I better not continue to go down the path I'm going because I'm getting that eye. I'm getting that look. Now, people who are part of that table, maybe you're sitting at a table and you're talking and and the wife gives the husband that look, kind of says, hey, don't go there. Nobody else really even knows what's going on. But you've seen that look a million times and you know exactly what's going on. Nobody else does. Because it's an intimate look. You can guide somebody even with your eyes. You don't even have to say anything. And see, God is doing that with us. He promises to do that. He says, I'll guide you with my eye upon you. And then also over in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, here's a, a great promise. God says, in all your ways, we know this verse, what? Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And that's a promise that you can take to the bank. That's a promise that's true for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a preacher or a plumber. It doesn't really matter. That's a promise from God's word to us. Or even down in Psalm, verse 37, verse 23, here's another verse that deals with God guiding us. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Notice it says, The steps of a man... Okay, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. In other words, God's put some forethought into this life of ours. He's got some things planned for us that we don't even know yet. And God, step by step, day by day, he wants to lead us. He wants us to be delighted in the way that he wants us to go. So many times we want to go our own way. Uh, God has a specific plan for you. He really does. God has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. And our job as believers is to say, okay, God, I want to follow that will. I want to follow that direction. I don't want to go off and do my own thing. And so many times that's where we find ourselves, isn't it? So God watches over us. The Bible tells us he cares so much for us, even the hairs on our head are numbered. It's not too hard for some of us, but others of you have a lot of hair. He tells us that even when a sparrow falls from a tree, and it doesn't mean fall out of the tree, it just means hop from branch to branch. Our Heavenly Father takes notice. He notices things like that. See, so the the idea that God has no plan for your life, God has a plan for your life. Now, all of the plans that God has for our lives are not the same, other than the two I just mentioned, that he desires us to be saved, he desires us to be sanctified. But when you get down to the details, God's plan for your life is probably not God's plan for my life. Don't you hate that when people think that God's plan for their life is God's plan for everybody's life? And they go around telling everybody what they should be doing based upon what God has shown them? See, God's plan for you is unique. Why? Because you're unique. I mean, even though we're a small church, just look around the church, we're all different We all come from different sections of the country or the world even. We all come bringing cultural baggage, cultural influences, whether they be good or bad, to the table. And God knows each and every one of us better than anybody else. And so we have to be careful when we look at God's will for our lives. We don't want to pattern 
that will after somebody else. You know, there's nothing wrong with having role models. There's nothing wrong with with having people that you uh, respect and look up to. But please realize that God doesn't want you to be them. He wants you to be yourself. And he wants you to do what he has laid out for you to do. And so this morning I want to talk about this. It's not over till it's over. And as we start this new year, I trust it's going to be a wonderful year. I trust that next year we can look back on this year and truly say, wow, God, thank you for your faithfulness that you have taken me through yet another year. It's not just like any other day, and yet it really is like any other day. There's nothing different about tomorrow than today. It's still going to have 24 hours. We're still going to have to get up. We're still going to have to brush our teeth, take a shower, do whatever we do. But it's going to be different because it's a new year. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, This month shall be the beginning of months to you. And it has the idea of giving them a fresh start. How many of you make resolutions every year? Anybody here make resolutions? I used to. And, you know, in my head, I still think I do sometimes, you know. I still think, well, I got to work out a little more. I got to do this a little more, do that a little more, be a little more committed in this area. And I don't write them down anymore because usually by the end of January, it's just sad. You know, you look at the list and you're going, oh, man. Um, now there's some people that really are motivated by resolutions and they make them and boy, they keep them and they're bound to them and, and they're very faithful to them. And that's, that's just wonderful. But I think sometimes the resolutions I make just go in one year and out the other, you know, it just doesn't really connect. And so I, I want you to know this morning that as we prayerfully consider this new year, as we look at this passage in Jeremiah, Um, I want to give you a little bit of background. Jeremiah chapter 18, you can find that right after the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Just a little bit of background as we begin this little series. Um, Because today I think most of us would say that we live in a world, we live in a society where for the most part God is forgotten. (laughs) Especially here in the United States. When you look at the history upon which this nation was founded, and then today we think, wow, what happened? I mean, we have people just going full-blown into all kinds of sinful behavior. They're giving full expressions to the reprobate mind. If you want a commentary on that, read the first chapter of Romans. It tells us what happens when people forget God. And that's the country in which we live. Even, you see the justice system, you see... Organizations like the FBI, the Department of Justice being called into question over certain things. Everything seems to be breaking down. It seems that God, that man has gone beyond the bounds that God has set. And here we lie on the brink of a new year looking at what it may hold for us. But I think our nation for the most part is no longer could be classified a Christian nation. Because I really believe that, for the most part, most people have forgotten about God. Now, they would say that they're Christian, maybe in the words. But as far as living for Christ each and every day, I don't see that. Pretty much a lot of people want to mock God. A lot of people want to make light of who Christ is. And see, Jeremiah is this one who brings to the table a word from God because he was a prophet. And the day and age that Jeremiah was doing this as he was 
getting ready to give these prophecies that God laid upon his heart to the people, it was right before judgment was coming to pass. And so he's living really in the time, you might say, of Holocaust. It's 80 to 100 years after Isaiah. So Isaiah have a, has a bunch of prophecies, and those prophecies actually take place during Jeremiah's ministry. Isaiah, if you remember what he said, he said that judgment was coming. And what Jeremiah is saying is that, you know what, it's not coming, it's here. It's here right now. So Jeremiah says that the Babylonians are going to arrive and the Babylonians are going to slaughter you and the Babylonians are going to take you into captivity. He's speaking to the the people of Israel there. And it's exactly what happened. The prophet was true. The prophet was a true prophet. And so Jeremiah stood on the edge of this apparent judgment that was going to fall. And he was really telling the people, this is, the glory days are over. This is something that's, it's not going to go on business as usual. And a lot of the prophecies that Jeremiah gave here in Judah were rushing down to the the final moments of catastrophe. When the political scene was filled with confusion. When the worst passions in people's hearts were made known when you saw sin on every corner and people forgot God. Jeremiah was the one, he was the prophet of, you might say, the midnight hour. Some commentators say that Isaiah prophesied at 11 o'clock and Jeremiah prophesied at midnight. Jeremiah preached for 42 years. That's a long time. I mean, when you stop and think of that, 42 years he was ministering to the southern kingdom of Judah. And back in the 6th century, on behalf of God, just ministering. He was known as what? The weeping prophet. Because of all the sorrow that he had to share with people and that he experienced. And during his reign, during his time of ministry, he he had to deal with five kings. And the first of those kings was a guy named Josiah. And Josiah was a good king, one of the few. (laughs) If you read about the Old Testament, you know that Josiah was a a, a good king. And near the end of the reign of Josiah, there was a period of, of reformation, you might call it, in Judah. Some people say it was a time of revival. Now, if you read anything about Josiah, you know that after a period of time, he realized that the people were worshiping idols and false gods, and he went into those places where they had these altars erected to these false gods, and he tore them all down. And he said, you know what? We're going to worship the true God. That's a good thing. And so he led this great reformation of the people. He tore down all these high places that they, they used to worship the idols. He removed all the idolatry from the land of Judah. He was a great reformer. But before all this happened, there was a prophetess named Huldah, and she said this, Josiah, you're going to lead a reformation, but you know what? It's not going to have any permanent results. That's a paraphrase. That's basically what she said. She's saying all your efforts will not last beyond your own lifetime. And the reason is this, and this is the reason this prophet gave that these reformations would not last. He says, the people will follow you because they are attracted to you as a person. 
not because they are truly attracted to God. And when I think of that, I mean, I can't help but believe that that really describes the Christian world today. You have people attracted to somebody because of the way they look or the suit they wear or the way they talk. It has little to do with the message that they're bringing to bear upon the hearts of the people. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. I'd also like to let you know that our Grace Bible Church Women's Ministry 2018 Spring Conference is coming up. The author and guest speaker will be Cynthia Heald, known best for her best-selling Bible study, Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Now, the conference will take place out of 1 John, Chapter 2 and verse 6, Living Like Jesus. It's May 18th through the 19th, Friday the 18th at 7 p.m. through 8.30, and then Saturday the 19th at 9 a.m. through 2.30. It'll take place here at the church, 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Breakfast is included as well as lunch. Total conference cost, just $20, with a love offering taken both Friday and Saturday evening. For more information, visit our website, gracebibleonline.org. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.